Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. Sometimes we have to walk down a few wrong paths before we get to the right one. And for my guest today, big corporate defense and federal prosecutions were definitely not the right path for him. I was doing corporate work for big companies and I kind of knew that I wanted to try cases. And so I took a job as a federal prosecutor in San Diego. And so I figured out that I was really good at uh, winning trials, but I didn't really like putting, you know, what I perceived to be largely poor Mexicans in prison. And so, you know, I said, okay, like I'm good at winning trials. What job can I have that rewards a propensity to win trials? And how can I work for the little guy? And so that all came together and I said, okay, well, I'll go be a plaintiff's lawyer doing personal injury work. So that's where the idea came from. My guest today is John Gomez, founder and president of Gomez Trial Attorneys. Since founding his practice in 2005, John has made a name for himself as one of the top trial lawyers in the country, having recovered over $550 million for his clients. And he has solidified his firm's position as the largest plaintiff's trial firm in San Diego. Join us as we discuss the lessons John learned from building up his own practice and what he thinks are the most important things for any law firm owner to remember when building up theirs. John reveals what it's like for him and his firm during the early days of the pandemic, who he turns for inspiration, and why John hires nearly exclusively from his firm's law clerk program. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Stryer. Stay with us. John had told us a little bit about how he came to set up Gomez Trial Attorneys, but I wanted to find out more about what the early days of the firm were like and what the key moments were that took it to the next level. The early days were that I called up a paralegal that I still have today, Amy Collins. And I said, hey, do you want to go form this firm? And she said, yes. And so we got some space and we had a card table and we had a boom box and we had six cases. Uh, the computers weren't quite turned on yet. Uh, we were waiting for the phone to be turned on. Then the phone got turned on and we would just sit around because nobody would call. So we would say, oh, let's go to the hardware store you know, pick up something for the office. So we'd walk down there and then she'd say, oh, we got to make a copy. Let's go to Kinko's. So we'd walk down there. The beginnings of the firm were uh, what I would call inauspicious. You know, there wasn't much going on, but we had big dreams. Yeah. So she was like your Jerry Maguire in the, in the movie. Yeah. yeah she was the one that came. She was the one that jumped <laughs> on board the ship that didn't look so great at the beginning. So take me, you know, You've turned Gomez trial attorneys into a massive success. So what were, what were some of those early turning points that really got a jump start and took the company to the next level? Yeah, so probably six 
months into the firm's existence, one of the files that we had involved a wrongful death of a young man here in San Diego on a very, very high profile case. It was called the American Beauty Murder. And so, you know, since then it's been all TV shows and stuff. And so we tried the civil case against this young lady, Kristen Rossum, who murdered her husband in the county of San Diego where she worked. Basically, she was a toxicologist, had stolen fentanyl from work, was high on meth as she got from work and killed her husband. So we sued the county too. We were basically tapped for money at that time, but the news was in there every day. It was a very, very high profile event. And we won the case. We won a verdict of $106 million. And so, you know, we were like right here. We were like just about to crash. Big win. And so the phone started ringing, you know, and thankfully that was the beginning of hopefully, you know, some other success stories. Yeah. So there was a, just a ton of momentum, I'm sure, from the press, from from just everything, not only even from a cash standpoint, being able to, to invest in some of these marketing initiatives after you you got this big win and, and you went to that next level and you started to grow and you, you hit this next chapter. What were some of the the mistakes maybe on that journey? that you encountered? Well, you know, were, were, was it hiring, firing, uh, marketing mistakes? What were some of those mistakes that you learned from? Yeah, 100%. You know, my biggest mistakes were personnel involved. You know, what I would say is I would bring in, you know, senior people that I didn't really have a great relationship with or that loyal, you know, they didn't have that loyalty toward me. And I vested them with a lot of responsibility, you know, invested in them heavily that for sure, you know, would be the biggest mistake I made. You know, now if I'm going to go, you know, put someone in another office or, you know, put someone in charge of a practice area, I have a relationship with that person. You know, I know there's going to be some sense of loyalty. I prefer to hire from within. So for sure, I would say a combination of that, bringing in kind of senior people that I didn't have a great relationship with and trusting them too much. And then also, I would say not firing quickly enough, you know, holding on to people that really weren't excellent fits or excellent contributors. And so now, you know, I feel like I have a great, great, great team, very hardworking, talented people with some degree of loyalty to the firm. And so, like, I feel like that is a recipe for success. Yeah, let's dive into that specifically. So are there are there any tips any for our audience? Like, what are those things that you look at? Or maybe what's what's your hiring process like when you're trying to identify these people that are the right fit? Well, you know, like our new lawyers now, pretty exclusively, yeah, exclusively for the last five years, have come through our law clerk program. And so we'll hire these people while they're still law students, right? And so we get a very good look at, you know, their character, you know, their work quality, you know, their work ethic. And we also have a relationship with them. And so they're with us for, you know, two years or something. You know, at that point, we have a pretty good idea who they are, how committed they are to this work. And then of that group, we're going to, you know, offer some of them permanent jobs. And so that's such a, a much better way to do it than to just go out and hire someone cold, you know, because, and we're getting good work quality from these people in the meanwhile, you know, we're not paying them a ton while they're in law school and they're doing quality work, they're contributing. And at the same time, you know, we're getting a good feel for who they are and whether they would be a good permanent fit. I love that. I think of it, 
you know, in, in almost in like football terms, you know, you've got your, you got your special teams that don't really have that starting position and offense or defense, but you get to see how their, you know, their work ethic and, or, or you think of it like a, it is like an internship and then you're not guessing and trying to do these like trick questions or you come to the meeting late and see how they respond or, or whatever. So I really like that. You get to know them on a much deeper level. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like if you, speaking of football, I play college football. So can you imagine you're out there for your first game and you're like, Oh, you look like a good wide receiver. You go play wide receiver. You know, we have the, the opportunity to conduct spring practice. So we get to see them all spring. We have them in the fall camp, you know, so we get a good look at them before we put them in the lineup. I may or may not have researched that you played football and might've thrown <laughs> that in there. <laughs> You know, looking back now, at, at, at you've hit these different milestones. So what, what was, you know, a proudest moment, a moment you look back and you're, you're especially proud of a big success? What was a, a contributor to getting there? It's funny because I was pondering that question and thinking about trials, and I can't really point to a trial or a litigation. I would say the thing that I'm proudest of is how we've responded as an organization to this COVID-19 um, crisis. So I'll tell you what happened. Like, basically, it was like a Friday, you know, things were escalating. I knew we were going to be physically out of the office. And by the way, I'm in the office. You know, it's me and a receptionist that comes in for the mail. And we have 25,000 square feet, so I feel pretty safe. So over the weekend, me and my partners really reflected on how we were going to handle this. It didn't take us long to get everyone equipped to work remotely. That wasn't really the big deal. The big deal was going to be, you know, how do we lead, how do we manage, and how do we pivot, you know, through this time. And so, you know, I made a commitment that weekend. I said, look, because I looked at our financials and our projections, and I knew that we were fine. You know, I knew that, you know, even if we weren't signing cases or even if we weren't resolving cases for some period of time, we were going to be fine. And for the reasons that I told you before, you know, I feel really good about our team. I feel like we have no one on the team that's not a contributor and loyal. And so, you know, I made a decision. I was going to announce that Monday, first thing in a Zoom meeting, you know, which we have every day, that we weren't going to fire anybody and that we were fine financially, you know, and that we were going to get through this. We were still going to have our retreat. We were still going to have bonuses. Everyone was going to be fine. And since then, you know, I feel like we've done a whole lot in terms of culture, in terms of keeping everybody happy and engaged and committed, you know, so I feel very good about that. I feel like the team has become closer. I feel like our productivity has actually gone up and we pivoted very hard to take advantage of what we perceive to be emerging practice areas. And so, you know, I looked at this and the team looked at this. And we immediately sort of focused on all derivations of opportunities that would arise from this crisis. And, you know, when I say opportunities, you know, I don't mean to sound opportunistic, but people are going to need help after crises. And so business interruption cases in particular, I feel like we were at the very forefront of that. You know, we have been, I think, uh, among the national leaders in those cases. You know, we're doing cruise ship cases. We're looking at nursing home cases, meatpacking cases, employment cases, you know, and actually, you know, we as a team 
have been busier than ever. And at the same time, you know, our core practices of personal injury and, and sexual abuse have been, you know, still, you know, rocking. Yeah, you know, the, the first thing that you've mentioned there when you got the whole team together and you said, hey, nobody's getting fired, nobody's losing their bonus. So all that anxiety that they're probably feeling and, and just uncertainty because people don't work as well out of stress and fear. You know, so immediately you just got rid of all that. And then after all that was behind you, now it's like, hey, what can we do? What can we pivot to? And I think that was extremely smart and and getting first in, right? Because people are going to start to copy you and model you. And then there's going to be multiple pages on the internet. But, but getting first in, you get to kind of carve out your own landscape, so to speak. Yeah, I totally agree. And the funny thing was like that very first week, you know, I was getting all these calls you know, this firm laid off all these people, this firm laid off all these people. And I was thinking to myself, are they really that cash light, you know, and or how can they really predict with such certainty that this event is going to cause them to actually lose revenue like that, like over the course of like two days. And so we found that at least on the personal injury side, cases are continuing to resolve. And I would say, you know, at least for us, the percentage of cases that have resolved has increased. I know we're not gonna be able to try cases for a little bit, but, you know, it just seemed very reactionary, very panicky and, you know, not a way to, I don't think, lead an organization. And I think that's really smart. I, I think the doors are gonna open back up and I, I think it's a smart, you're doing the evergreen type strategies. John's positioned his firm to weather the storm of COVID so it can keep helping his clients throughout the pandemic. But his firm isn't just focused on settling cases, it's just as committed as benefiting the local community too. Sometimes I kind of struggle with the idea of growth, you know, but then I think if we, if we grow as an organization, you know, then we can help more people in the community as lawyers, one. You know, and then two, if we grow, then, you know, I've got employees and team members here with families. And so we think about all those people we're supporting, you know, financially and otherwise. And then um, we've always been very, very community oriented in terms of, you know, our work out in the community and in terms of financially supporting, you know, charities and good causes. That's kind of at the backbone of what we do. And in terms of our mission statement, it's one of our guiding principles. You know, we always improve our community. So like, you know, for instance, right now, you know, I'm very involved in my church. And so the church is doing a lot in the community. So we've given a bunch of money to them. We are going out in the community, delivering food to, um, you know, hospital workers, firefighters, police officers, you know, donating a bunch of masks. You know, one thing I did for my people, I gave them a $500 allotment to by takeout to support local businesses, you know, and I told them they have to tip a lot. So we did that, you know, we're just always, you know, we feel like it's super important, you know, cause you know, we don't have a great name, personal injury lawyers. And so, you know, I think that's a mistake in perception on the part of the public. And so we want to correct that for us and for other lawyers. And also just, it's just consistent with our principles. I really love the mission and, you know, it, it's, you're putting that karma out there, that goodwill and people talk about branding and marketing a lot of different ways, but a lot of people talk about it as no like and trust and yeah. you're being likable in the community. You're helping your, your fellow 
you know, community. And I just think that's really powerful on its own there. And I, the mission's incredible because it kind of just rounds everything together. Yeah. It's, it's a super long play, you know, like I think a lot of lawyers um, may underemphasize the value of brand. You know, you're not going to get that immediate return. You know, it's not like a pay-per-click or, you know, your SEO is going to come up on personal injury, but you know, over time, if you consistently build your brand and your brand is consistent with values that the public admires, you know, over time, you're going to get that return. And we don't do it for that reason. You know, it's not like a, we're trying to make more money, but but it's a nice, you know, byproduct of things. And I think right. You're, you're right. Let's talk about your, your personal growth here. So what are some of your favorite business books you know, that you read and, and that have kind of influenced you as, as an individual? I really like uh, John Morgan has written two books, Can't Teach Hungry, Can't Teach Vision. I really like those books. There's um, a book called CVN First by Bob Crumley, which I really like. I really like uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, who's a retired Navy SEAL who lives here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I like... Um, can't hurt me by David Goggins. It's not really a leadership, you know, book, but it's a book about sort of personal strength. You know, those are the books I like. So, so who are who are your mentors, and and what was their best piece of advice for you? You know, when you say mentors, you know, I'm gonna um, define that as people I want to be like. You know, and I know all these people, and I've talked to all these people, and they've influenced on me. But I would like to be a combination of, of four people who have influenced my life. You know, the first is um, John Morgan, who I referenced earlier. Um, I'm a big admirer of what he's built. And he spent time to talk to me about business development and management and and growth. And so, you know, I like, you know, what he's done from sort of a business management and growth perspective. Um, So then he would be one. And then I would say uh, there's a guy in California, Brian Panis, who I've tried a case with, a good friend of mine. Very, very well-known, big verdict lawyer. So I like to try cases. I've tried cases with him. I would like to have his success in big cases. And he's a good manager as well. He runs his firm very well too. And then I would turn to Mark Lanier. I attended his trial academy last year. I thought it was very, very, very good. You know, I'm an admirer of him. And I do mass torts, try mass torts. And I'm an admirer of him in that world. So I would like to be able to hit the big, you know, like trucking case, like Panish hit the big, like Viox case, like Lanier, run my firm like Morgan. And then the final guy is, um, I have a lawyer at my firm who's of counsel named Jude Basil, who used to run Jerry Spence's trial lawyers college. And so he comes at law from a very human and compassionate perspective. And obviously he's been a huge influence on me. If I can mold all that together, that would be my ideal me. That's incredible. So it's like the rising tides raises all boats. The you kind of the you're a combination of the people you spend the most time with. And I like that. So you're always looking, you know, what can I learn from from other individuals? You know, today, John, what are your high value activities? What what brings the most value to to Gomez trial attorneys that you do? I would say there's four things, you know, that that I do now. One is just be a visionary. And so you know, I have sort of plans for the firm and, and ideas for the firm, you know, that I'm 
pretty certain that nobody else at the firm would come up with if I didn't come up with them. And so I'm, I have a vision for how I want to see the firm in the next 10 years. So I would say that's one, you know, two, being a leader, you know, like I talked about before. And again, very distinct from being a manager. I've gotten to the point where I'm able to delegate, you know, and, and allow the teams to do their thing and allow the groups to do their thing. But I can lead, you know, as a visionary at a higher level. Three, I'm a trial lawyer. You know, I'm always looking for an opportunity to lead by example, lead in combat. You know, like I'm like the general at the front, you know, leading the troops because we're a trial firm. You know, all my lawyers try cases mm -hmm. if I can't. Then. And then, you know, I believe I'm a very good um, developer of business. So I would say I'm a rainmaker. So uh, I like people. If you like people or are kind to people, then they tend to like you back. And so, you know, I get a lot of opportunities for the firm by virtue of that. So, um, so I would say visionary leader, trial lawyer, rainmaker. Rest of the stuff is I'm not very good at. John knows exactly where his and his team's efforts are best focused within the firm. And coupled with this ability to delegate, he's able to ensure that everyone is doing what they do best and where they add value as well. But in addition to assembling great teams and allowing them to play to their strengths, I wanted to know what other words of wisdom John had for law firm owners looking to grow their practice. One, you know, you got to do sort of a gut check and see if you really are committed to growing a successful practice, you know, and there's going to be sacrifice in that, you know, like if that is not something you're willing to commit substantial energy and time and thought to then that's not in your cards. And so as a threshold issue, you know, my advice would be make sure that's what you want. Because some people might be very comfortable with kind of status quo or getting by or, you know, and that's fine and, and wonderful and lots of great people like that, you know, but if you really want to, you know, grow and have abundant success, I think you have to, you know, realize that you're going to have to, you know, give up some things and, and, and really commit a lot of time and energy to it. So other than that, I would say some other mistakes I think I made early was, you know, never constantly asking the hard questions of yourself, you know, your team members, uh, your organization, always re-examining, you know, never being content. And so you just don't say, oh, I'm not super pleased with this part of my operation, but, you know, that I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. You know, you always have to be, well, what's going on over here and why am I not happy with that? And could we make that better? And I think if you are, you know, open and honest, you know, like they, they know now that if I've got a problem with something, I'm going to say it, or I have a question about something, I'm going to say it, including myself, then that is the advice I would give. Always be re-examining, always be getting better. And then thirdly, um, you know, there's going to be some risk element, you know, like I've been like this a few times. And so, you know, you want to be smart with your risk. But if you truly want to have success, there's going to be some risk component of it. And so you have to be able to tolerate some element of risk, I think. What excellent advice from John. I particularly like what he said about re-examining. Just like SEO, you need to constantly be assessing what it is and isn't working to make sure you're putting effort into the right activities. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A huge thank you to today's guest, John Gomez, for joining us. You can find all of the links from today's conversation in the show notes. 
And we want to hear from you. What is your role within the law firm? Are you a visionary, a leader, or something else? Drop us a review and share your thoughts. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.